May 6, 2019, it's a lot for Pedro Show.
Pedro show. I'm going to see Brother Matt Thursday. He's recuperating from his vacay. In the meantime, uh, uh, well, I'll start out the show with welcome, which is what I want to say from John Coltrane to my guest, because I'm not man alone. I'm in my pad, but through the 
wonders of those Estonian software engineers and their Skype engineer um, invention. I got Abby Travis. Hey, what? Hey, Abby, what are you uh, calling from Hollywood? Yes, I'm in the uh, I'm in Hollywood, Fairfax district. Okay, talking. Have, have I been to that pad? Yeah, I think you have. Oh. Yeah, I got a piece of software that uh, something out in miles it pukes, so that don't be freaked out. I remember yeah. that pad. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had it, some jams there. Exactly. Exactly. And, and in fact, uh, it was uh, kind of like a dose thing with two bass, but. You, you've got a duo, brand new, and that's what we're going to talk about. In fact, after John Coltrane, we played Clickbait, probably a song we wouldn't have written in the 80s. True. <laughs> there was other ways to do the same fucking retarded behavior, but it just yeah. wasn't doing that. And it's called Sumo Princess. Uh, but let, let's, let's go before that, Ab, because you've never been on the show, and I want people to know about your... Uh, journey through music. Uh, what's your earliest musical re- recollection? Oh, uh, gosh. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is sort of staring at the cover of Sgt. Pepper's while listening to it on vinyl. You know, like I was kind of obsessed with that album when I was a kid. And I would just, you know, look at the the cover and try and figure out who all the celebrities were and listen to it over and over again. Now, so now, that, yeah. Is that a record you got yourself, or was it in the pad? It was in the it was yeah. in the house. My parents had it. They weren't really that into music, but they had like Beatles records, and you know they had like Nielsen the Point. I know my brother was really into that one. And somebody just so, asked me about that. Like they want to do a, a new version of Harry Nielsen, right? Yeah, in some kind of animation. I remember it, kind of an ex- existential thing or something. And uh, he came to a gig. Last week I did with Second Man. He said, "What we want to do a new version of this? Do you want to be the narrator?" What a coincidence! I haven't thought wow. about it for a long. So, so they weren't like players; they were more listeners. Yeah, and not even super listeners. Like my mom was just listening to the news all the time, and then my dad was kind of you know more into like country. Like he loves like Johnny Cash and Hank Williams and that kind of stuff. And then I pretty much, a lot of music that I got into later was, you know, either from like, you know, kids at school or my brother or whatever. Yeah, but how did the Sgt. Pepper record get there then? My parents had that. I mean, the Beatles, sorry, I gotta, um, I gotta get, take these notifications off. My husband's texting me about toilet paper. (laughs) Yeah, that's important shit to share. Uh, (laughs) You know, these are things we all have in common, right? Yeah, you're right. Um, um, so yeah, I mean the Beatles were so that's not su- even music at a certain level, you know. Yeah, it's just you like, should surprise him with some like triple lot sandpaper. What? It's <laughs> <laughs> like fucking rocks. Okay, no, okay. The Beatles crossed a lot of lines. You're you're right. All kinds of people like, especially in those days. I remember. Uh, but do you remember the first record you got for yourself? Yes. Uh, The first single I ever bought, it it was one of two singles. One was Le Freak by Chic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven Inch. And then the other one was King Tut by Steve Steve Martin. Steve Martin, kind of a joke song. (laughs) Yeah, but I was like a kid and I just thought that was like the funniest thing ever and I loved it, you know? And then I also thought like the Billy Beeble. What? Supposedly he was really good on the banjo. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. A real musician. I think he went to Long Beach State maybe or some he's some Southern California kind of guy. But uh uh so so you know, jokes. Look, Doctor Demento, right? Remember on Sundays? Sure, I, we used to listen to him all the Absolutely. time as kids. And there was kind of a kind of a weird connection between him and Roddy and the Rock in a way <laughs> in the old days. So, uh, uh, do you remember the first gig you went and saw play? Uh, it was either I think it might have been what, the, my mom took us to a couple gigs when we were kids. One of them was Ray Charles yeah. at the Universal Amphitheater, yeah. and we saw like John Denver once, and we saw the Village People and Gloria Gaynor once, which yeah, was totally yeah. amazing. That was amazing. You know and then like Beatlemania. Those were like the, the gigs that I saw as a child. You know, I was reading about Ray Charles and guys who played in his band. That he liked to drag the tempo. One guy said you could park a bus in between the bar, uh, the beats. Huh. <laughs> I actually did a gig last year with this guy that had played sax with Ray Charles. He was a really nice guy. I forgot you know, his you name. You know who lived on his block growing up? No. Spotsky. Oh, wow. Now, he told me, seen- get this, this was in Lamert Park. Okay. And he said... Ray Charles once got a speed and t- he had a buddy in the car with him and he was racing up and down the street. <laughs> got a speeding ticket. <laughs> yeah, in that a trip. So there's no instruments at home. And uh, is Dave playing anything? Um, you know, there, there was like an acoustic guitar around. My dad used to play like he knew like one Andre Segovia song, so that was like his jam. Oh, he so would he play did that. play a little bit. Yeah. Okay. And- well. And then he was, um, a, he was a cameraman, right? For yeah, CBS yeah, was, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then and then we took piano lessons when we were children, both my brother and I. So, so was there a piano in the house? Yeah, I okay. think by the time I was about like six or seven, there was a piano in the house that I still have, actually. Now, what was your experience? Was it a good one or a bad one? It was pretty good overall, you know. I, I I I liked it. I didn't have any like mean ruler hitting teachers or anything like that. It, it was I you know. Um, now, I know you can play very well now, so it, it stuck with you. Yeah, I wouldn't call myself a pianist, but I do. Um, it, with it. the exception of Sumo Princess, all the other stuff that I used to write for my solo stuff, I would write on piano. Uh, absolutely, I'm gonna play yeah. uh, most of that at the end. It's not like you did that cover of the. Rocky Horror Show and uh, huh. hate song. Yeah, yeah, didn't you do oh. Lightning Square or something? Yeah, but that's not a cover. That's a that's an original. Oh, it is. It, yeah. of, it, just, it just seems like it, I guess. Yeah, because you know he wrote that in the fifties, right? So a lot of that music, he wasn't allowed to put it on till I guess they did it in England in the early seventies. Really? Yeah, Rocky Horror Picture Show was around. That's why that music sounds kind of fifties. But there was also that thing in the seventies, like with Happy Days, where people were totally obsessed. Oh with no, no, no! I, I know, I know, totally. Well, what it is is the marketing thing. So that generation is because I remember my pop when that series came on. He said, "Boy, those were not Happy Days." But they they market <laughs> towards the aging generation, just like when I was a boy. It was all nothing but World War Two movies because right. that generation was aging. Right. They've kind of lost that. Frank Zappa once said that the time period between something happening initially and becoming like cool and retro would eventually get smaller and smaller to the point that like a culture would become a vacuum. And I think that's what's happening. Yeah, right now. because they don't 
not that was a great thing, like marketing to a demographic, like it's just a big fucking number. And and also just bringing nostalgic, uh, sentimental, sh- what do they call it, schmaltz. <laughs> heavy on the schmaltz. Wow, so that, that, for some reason I was thinking that was, because I haven't seen that movie in a while, and it's a good one. In fact, I remember when it used to play at the Tiffany, right? Uh-huh. And a lot of those people I saw at the first pumpkins. My sister brought me, you know, this was cool. in the late 70s. And Now, did you get dressed up? But I didn't know anything about it, okay? So I'm, I'm there, and I see the people, they kind of take over. I didn't know, like, you learn all the words, and you shout them out before they say it on the movie, and squirt guns, and the toast. and uh, Yeah, it was a whole, it was kind of like a takeover, especially the time warp dance, right? Everybody ran down there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it kind of freaked me out, but I could see how that was kind of foundational to the movement because it was kind of like, to, you know, compared to an arena rock show, it was kind of like that. You took took over. and So anyway, I saw some of those people, right? Uh, I can't remember their name. You know, everybody had f- funny names. <laughs> I was born with one. But uh, <laughs> what about in school? Were you in the choir? Were you in the, uh, like, the orchestra or the marching band or shit like that uh, yeah i did some choir stuff and then i got i had that i did not have good musical experiences in school like i get i kept getting kind of i remember being in choir and then it was just kind of like oh you should get a solo but we're gonna give it to the senior because they're graduating like i kept kind of getting Although I did – actually, this was kind of fun when I was in – I went to like seven different schools because of busing and we moved once. But yeah. one of the schools I went to was this like uh, magnet school and the school play was Annie. So I was Annie's <laughs> understudy and the girl that got to play Annie, like it was totally like welcome to Hollywood. Like her dad managed Donna Summer. So it was already like even in fifth grade, like this is the way it's going to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, so I was Annie's, although she could really sing. I have to say she could sing. But um, we, I was her understudy and then I got to play Molly. So I somewhere there's a really funny picture. They were nice and let me do the performance of Annie one night. And I'm sitting singing like very with this really earnest look on my face and this little patchwork dress. And there's this little kid in like the dog costume because he played the dog sitting there covering his ears with his hands. It's like the funniest photo. It's so, so seventies. It's very funny. Like he's digging it. (laughs) No, he wasn't feeling it at all. Yeah. I'm going to play, I'm going to play something from the sumo princess. Kill the king.
nas rendas do raio X Vezes não se faz melhor Quando se tenta Quando se tenta
Well, for Pedro Show, yeah, Kill the King from Sumo Princess off the new, uh, their, their debut release, I should say. Well, we'll, well we've it. had a couple singles out, but it's our debut album. Album, sorry, sorry. That's cool. And, and, I, and I, you know, we're going to get to that with Gene, great drummer man and stuff, but I still want to get in the early days. After that, we had um, Ava Mendoza with her Unnatural Ways and Trying to Pass, her new album. Arabia's Saludara from Milano with their latest album, Grande Suceso. Stefano Pulia of the My Guitar Band Mania, So You Nayo with Salida, inspired by Dante. Uh, Hi Fi Club Out Toulon with Siglio and Lauren. I think they're in New York City, this guy. No safety on a body. And finally, you will rise from Sumo Princess. So, what, 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 okay, so, yeah, you didn't dig the school thing except that fucking an, anything you dug. But yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, a lot of it was challenge. You didn't dig it. Yeah, it was holding pattern. But what about the shit where, like, you're, you're, you're playing with friends after school or in the basement, in the bedroom, or the garage band, that kind of thing? Well, I mean, I first started playing in a band when I joined the Love Dolls in high school. Okay, so that's I had the first never, one. Yeah, okay. I had never even played bass before. Now, Love I Dolls kind of... I kind of know a little about it because Dave Markey kind of put together a band for a movie, right? Correct. So and it, then the I'm band not trying became... to say he's, uh, uh, what's that guy, Don Kirster making a monkeys, but it was kind of like yeah. that, right? Yeah, I guess it was kind of like the monkeys meets the runaways or something. Oh, Kim Fowley, yeah, yeah, he put that band together too, right, right. Um, uh, but or Kim Fowley, I think, put together the Runaways. Yeah, but, Kim Fowley um, put away the Runaways, put put together the Runaways. Dark Christian put together the Monkeys, and Dave Markey put together the Love Dolls. Yeah, at least initially, but then there was uh, the well, band sort of became a band. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of like the Monkeys, right? It became a life of its own. Yeah, yeah, I think and so. I don't know if that even with the Runaways, maybe because I remember when Jones started singing, it seemed like more of their own band. Maybe I don't know, maybe not. But it seemed like you know when she became the singer, that was kind of the template for the Blackhearts. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I like the Runaways a lot. I th- I'm kind of thinking Dave Markey was thinking a little bit of the Runaways, right? I would think so. I mean, you'd have to ask him, but I would assume so as well. Okay, so when he got you in the band, oh, so he didn't really brief you on the movie. He said you guys are just going to be the band for the movie. No, the the band came to exist um, in the movie, and then by when they were on their own, um, they had first they had uh, Gwen Kelly, Gwen Con. Oh I'm yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. She was playing bass, and but she wasn't in the movie. And then at a certain point, they got me after that. So Tuesday, it was I came into it like I think after the second movie Gen- came out. Jennifer Tuesday, Jennifer Schwartz. The original lineup that I was in was Jennifer Schwartz, Janet Housden, yeah, Kim Pilkington, right. and myself. That's right. That's right. Yeah, because it went through a few things. Yeah, and then we had like two more singers after that, and then I left later, and Sharon Needles played bass, and so there were several different sort of lineups of the Love Dolls. Yeah, yeah. Now this, let's talk about your version, because that's <laughs> okay. pertinent to this show right now. <laughs> the only bass you do is left hand on fucking piano, right? Uh, yeah, but you know, interestingly, I had a piano teacher that would tell me. 
that I should play bass because I always heard a lot of movement in my left hand. Uh, I, I figure it might have been just loving Paul McCartney so much, but I would always do like descending lines with my left hand. So she thought that I would uh, be, make a good bass player because I but, that but, was sort but, of my area. But Love Dolls is the first time you actually got a bass guitar in your hands. Correct. And Kim, the guitar player, said to me, don't tell Janet you've never played bass before. Um, so she taught me how to play the songs. And the cool thing about it was that on the albums, the Love Dolls soundtracks, Red Cross had played yeah. the actual you I know, instrument, Steve, instruments. So the Steve first McDonald's. bass lines I got to learn were like Steve McDonald's yeah. awesome bass lines. Yeah. So that was really great. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, you know, the monkeys kind of, I don't think they played, I think there was some singing from Mickey and some funny-ass Herman Hermit voice from uh, Davy Jones. But I think it was like Carol Kay and Hal Blaine and shit played on their records. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and then the Love Dolls did release a record that I played bass on, but it sounds terrible. Oh, it's, yeah, later down, yeah, down the road. Yeah, God, it's fucking aw- It's like the worst-sounding album. I think that's when Red Cross was doing... Uh, the Linda Blair thing. It was around that period. Yeah, kind of, I guess, yeah. And Janet was playing for them, too, right? Well, I, that was you did that that was after I think like Roy was in Red Cross that she was doing Love Dolls. It's hard for me to keep timelines. Remember and then Dezo's in the band for a little bit? I think he's during that period too, kind of. Kind of, yeah. I'm I'm not great with by the time I saw Red Cross, I think it was the brothers and I can't remember who was playing drums. I think it was Roy, or it could have been um, uh, Dave Peterson, you know, and Robert Hecker. You know, I saw when I first saw him. It was Ron Ray's, and of course, wow. you know, just like he did with Black Flag, he quits on stage, right? <laughs> and, and and also Steve, his voice had he still is. Like when I saw Agent Orange, Mike Palm, you know, the, the voice hadn't changed yet. Really? <laughs> he still had the little high voice. Well, Steve must have been like 12. <laughs> he was really little. Yeah, yeah. And uh, where Mike, I think, was 16 or 17. But the, but Steve was like, yeah, like fucking 12 years old. And standing in front of Poser, right? And shit like that. The Posh Boy Records. Anyway, okay, with the Love Dolls, you're in the movie. <laughs> you know, you're, you're playing in the band. But what about... Gigs and stuff. The Love Dolls did gigs. Yeah, so I wasn't really in the movies. I mean, I'm an extra yeah. in the second movie because the movie, like the first one was shot before, you know, I think I was probably like 11 or, you know, I, I wasn't, you know what I mean? So, so, but the cool what thing I about it was is they, they, they in made the a Love sequel Do- that called um, Love Dolls Superstar and the Love Dolls were able to go tour and then they, first they would show the second movie and then the band would play. So it was a really, you know, most kind of new bands wouldn't get to go to like New York and Boston and stuff like that. But when I was still in high school, I got to go do that because of the movie. So it was actually a really cool thing. Ab, I didn't mean the, the whole arc of the love dolls just your stint <laughs> of that course was, not the stuff when you were a little girl <laughs> yeah i understand sorry but, i was just explaining that i what why i wasn't in the movies i was yeah 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 because you were I'm, yeah. I'm talking about in your stint you're uh you're playing with the movies when you when you are playing with these guys i'm not talking about the love Init- dolls. Yeah. initially yeah initially and then you know we continued on but those are your for, first gigs yes those were my first gigs yeah now what were they like 
I thought it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed Were you it. I, mean, I think Were you, was it like no. Annie? Sorry, was it like Annie? I mean, you hadn't had any experiences like that kind of, except for the musical, right? Yeah, but I wasn't scared. I've, the only time I've ever had stage fright was like singing the national anthem at a roller derby, and then the, right before the first share gig, I was a little like, ah. But other than that, I don't usually get stage fright. Okay. Not even in the beginning. Okay. No, I, I was too young, and everyone, you know, I just thought, like, this is fun. This is great. I get to be in a band. This is awesome, you know? Okay, okay. You, you, you sold me. <laughs> <laughs> and people were, you know, supportive right off the bat. I mean, I remember Dezo saying, like, wow, you've really got something there, you know? And it was people were kind of, like, patting me on the head and going, well, good job, you know? So I was like, cool. You know, I didn't know any better. I was just uh, a teenager. Right. But I was a teenager and I was scared shitless. Thank God D. Boom was there. I mean, everybody's got their own uh, journey through the trip. That's why I'm asking you these things. <laughs> you know, because I've yet to find two people with the same journey through music. We're at the end of sure. the first hour, Ab, uh, May 6, 2019, Dishwap Pedro Show. Special guest, Ab Travis. Hold tight for hour two. May 6, 2019, it's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
Show start off the second hour with Kali Ma from Sumo Princess, and I've been uh, enlightened to the fact a video is soon coming featuring. Yeah, and the Kali album comes out on Wednesday on uh, the drums. Yeah, so uh, I bet you that one doesn't blow up. Uh, Ma Ma Fumi after that with Ping, I guess no vowel. Yeah, when you got a vowel in a word, it's hard. Uh, <laughs> with, uh, with some of those Polish words, they go a lot of consonants without a vowel. Yeah, Marco a lot of Serrano <laughs> and Francesco Corino with uh, Baraccio out of uh, Sibiria, Spain, Andalusia, right? If there's hell below, we're all going to go. I believe that's a Curtis Mayfield song covered here by the Healers, fellow Illinois. Illinoisians? I wouldn't have huh. to say that. Yeah, because Curtis Mayfield, the impressions right out of Chicago, I think he was still a teenager. Started his own label then, too. And then finally, Angel Dust from Sumo Princess. And speaking of desert, made me think about him hanging out with the stains and smoking <laughs> dust. <laughs> you know, me and Dee Boone did that for a month. When it first came out, somebody told, oh, this is pure mota. And after, you know, this aluminum foil taste in your mouth, I said, D. Boone, this is not malt. <laughs> You're like, whoa, whoa, Yeah, it was whoa, the most whoa, worst whoa. feeling in the world. Oh. I went to yeah, the first time that to talk was a bad heads. decision. So came to West Hollywood, and uh, yeah, we were stupid idiots. Uh, <laughs> yeah, bong and black dust. The, the, the talking heads came to the whiskey and it fell in some mud and shit and all over my face and everything. I couldn't even feel it because of that drug was so hard on, strong on me. It's terrible. Uh, but but let, let's talk about uh, Between the Love Dolls and Sumo Princess. You had a lot of projects in between. A lot of a side mouse stuff. Yes. A lot of work. Yeah. Now, I mean, you always wanted an Abby Travis band. I know that because you've had several different versions of it. But then uh, maybe it's like going to the head or something. Duty calls. You had to uh, help other people uh, envision their dream. And how'd you get into that? Um, I 
I went to music school when I was in my early 20s. I went to this jazz school. Okay, and okay. After... So you take your bass stuff that you learned Love Doll songs with, but now you want to, like, what, like refine it and get to know more? Yeah, I mean, what happened was I would get so f- frustrated because I'd have all these ideas in my head and it would take me so long to get them from my brain to my fingers that sometimes I would forget what I was trying to create and it would drive me crazy. Um, so I, I went to music school so that I could facilitate um, learning and, you know, just getting rid of that synapse uh, physicality delay. So and I studied like all these like jazz changes and all that kind of stuff. Um at this place called the Grove School of Music that actually went bankrupt like right after I graduated. And and so at that point I, I thought that I really wanted to make a living as a musician and that was at that time where there was still some money in music and since I could all, and I was in this band called The Rails where we would do a lot of three-part harmonies so I had learned how to sing and play bass pretty well at the same time at that point. So I think because I was like young, and I could play and sing at the same time, and I was a girl, like, I got a lot of work, you know? Okay. Did you have that problem playing the piano? Or was it just a no, bass thing? No, playing piano and singing is way easier than playing no, the no. bass and singing. Uh, I didn't mean that, Ab, I'm sorry. I mean, this okay. idea where you felt frustrated, what, what, why you said you wanted to go to school. Because when you went to school, you focused on bass, right? Yeah, absolutely. So did you have that, and you said you were frustrated because you couldn't get these uh, ideas articulated. So did you have that kind of problem, because you told me you did a lot of your early writing on the piano. Yeah, well, I still, you know, I mean, almost all the Abby Travis solo stuff I did, I wrote on piano, just because I could do the harmony better. You know, you've got five fingers and you can do polychords and stuff. But, um... You know, I'm not a real chopsy piano player, so I think with for, on piano I would mostly come up with progressions and then sing on top of them. So that wasn't as hard. Whereas I remember I'd have these ideas for bass lines or things, and it would I just was like would kind of frustrate me. Oh, um, I, I get it now. Like the piano is more of an accompaniment tool for you, exactly. Where you wanted yes, the bass I, to I be like a kind of a explorer music, not accompaniment, but that actually the pioneer part of okay. That makes good sense. Yeah. What, what, what about this tune here, Crooked Plow? Speaking of like musical pioneering device. Um, that one came up. Gene and I were that. That one was written a lot through improvisation, which is one thing that I'm really enjoying as a writing process in this band. Like, there's maybe a couple songs on the record that I kind of came in with and was like, "This is the song." And then there's other songs that were written largely through jamming. And so, um, Crooked Plow definitely came that way, where we I just recorded us jamming. Then kind of cut and pasted in terms of like here's an arrangement, maybe added some parts or extended some things. But the initial like that crazy weird intro was in a jam and the boom, you know, the ver- the first verse. And then I think later on the whole second half of it, that's kind of more like the almost like, you know, classic rock, like Leonard Skinner, the chord based part. I think I know that I did in the jam, too. And then I, um, yeah, so a lot of that came across, came just through improvisation and then just reorganizing it afterwards and obviously writing the melodies over it. Okay, let's and the
Give me that old-fashioned morphine. Give me that old-fashioned morphine. Give me that old-fashioned morphine. It's good enough for me. What was good enough for my grandpa? It was good enough for my grandpa. It was good enough for my grandpa. It's good enough for me. Sister, don't get worried. Sister, don't get worried. Sister, don't you get worried because the world is almost done. Give me that old-fashioned morphine. Give me that old-fashioned morphine. Give me that old-fashioned morphine. It's good enough for me. It was good enough for Billy Burroughs. It was good enough for Billy Burroughs. It was good enough. For Billy Burroughs It's good enough for me Sister, don't you get worried Sister, don't you get worried Sister, don't you get worried Because the world is almost done It was good enough For Isabel Eberhardt, it was good enough. For Isabel Eberhardt, it was good enough. For Isabel Eberhardt, that's good enough for me. Give me that old-fashioned morphine. Give me that old-fashioned morphine. Give me that old. Fashion morphine. It's good enough for me. Sister, don't you get worried? Sister, don't get worried. Sister, don't you get worried? Because the world is almost done. Sister, don't you get worried? Sister, don't get worried. Sister, don't you get worried? Because the world is almost done. Sister, don't get worried. Sister, don't get worried. Sister, don't you get worried? Because the world is almost done.
Live from Pedro Show. Yeah, you heard Crooked Plow and the way it was put together. Mini Beast after that. That's got Peter from Mission of Burma. Tafalco Morphine. Tafalco had all his shit stolen in Memphis this morning, people. Oh. Yeah, he left it out. He's going to go to the airport and fucking donate. And we're talking about, you know, with his ID and his, his that violin guitar and uh, passport. That sucks. And the, yeah, I'm really fucked. I'm really fucked. So people can help, please. Love Tef Falco. Round Eye from Shanghai after that with Kenton. Sumo Princess, New Goth. No Nels Klein would love that title. You know, he's always considered himself a little goth. How, how did small, uh, Sumo Princess get together? Um, uh, originally, I had another drummer named Chris, and then I wanted to work with someone else, so I asked Gene. You know, he's just a really old friend of mine, and I love his drumming, and he's a great guy. And um, so I asked him if he wanted to play in the band. And he had seen us play at Pappy and Harriet's and really liked what uh, we were doing, so he was um, happy to do it. Well, okay, let's go back with Chris then. I mean, how'd that... Um, what happened was I had read about Royal Blood and, and I saw I watched them on YouTube and thought, fuck, that's a great idea. Why didn't I think of that? So then I, you know, stopped watching them because I didn't want to be too influenced. But just the idea of having a duo band um, without having to deal with a guitar player, because it's I have I've always had a hard time finding good guitar players that I like. Um so that and it was kind of liberating, and I like the idea of having a band with just two people because it's easier to more, keep it more, together. It's easier to make money. The, more room What's in that? the va- more room in the van. More room in the boat. Yeah. Well, yeah what about Lightning Boat? Lightning Boat. Where is that a bass and drum band? Oh, you don't know about? Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're for. Well, you'll have to play them next. What's so trippy? I what's trippy is uh, the G string. I think is. A guitar E string, but it's it's like a bass, but except for the G string. Huh. And le- where's another one? Ohm? Have you heard of them? I've heard of them, but I don't know what they sound like. It's a Melvin's without the guitar. Ah. Kind of. But, uh, I mean, you got your own version, but it's interesting. You never heard of Ohm or Lightning Bolt because, for some reason, that's what comes to my mind, right? But you, you, you on purpose, wanted a drum and bass band. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's because I also, my only guitar envy, Mike, has ever been, like, all the pedals and, you know, all the professional, <laughs> like, side person gigs I've done. You know, maybe I could play a little Fuzz and Eagles of Death Metal or something, but usually they're they're like, please don't make weird noises. And so, for me, it was really liberating to just get to fucking paint with the bass. Like, I think a lot of what I'm doing is kind of post-bass player. I'm just kind of creating sounds, and I just happen to be playing the bass, you know what I mean? It's it's not like regular bass you're playing. playing the pe- you're playing the pedal board. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're at the end of the second hour, May 6, 2019, edition of Pedro Show. Special guest, Abby Travis, whole tap for hour three. May 6, 2019, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show. sick like the blood being sucked by a tick bleed me dry you're an unswattable fly you make me puke 
Pretend you're my friend and you shoot up like a rocket Made of what I know the best revenge Is happiness and some success All of us will meet our ends And I'll enjoy the wait This one goes out to the ones I
not be the same. Few people laughed. Few people cried. Most people were silent. I remember the line from Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita. Vishnu is trying to persuade the prince that he should do his duty and to impress him takes on his mighty armed form and says, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. I suppose we all felt that one way or another. Mr. McCarthy, I will not discuss this further with you. You have sat within six feet of me and could, ask, could have asked me about Fred Fisher. You have seen fit to bring it out. And if there is a God in heaven, it will do neither you nor your cause any good. I will not discuss it further. I will not ask Mr. Cole any more witnesses. You, Mr. Chairman, may as you will.
Negative. For. Negative. Expressing. Denial. For refusal. Opposite. Reflecting. The acquisition. Positive. For. What for that reason? What for for? The place of. The interest of. The favor of. The cover of. And the price of.
for Pedro show. We start off the third hour <laughs> off air me and Ab were talking about some of this stuff. Uh, the hate song. <laughs> appropriate. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> although this is more of a uh, I don't know. Well, it's, 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 it's got some sentiments. And then the coat <laughs> hangers with Tonya, Tonya Harding. It, it, gotta watch out being topical but we still remember Tonya. Sure. Uh, yeah. National debt with the uh, Cold War ambient mix. That's uh, Crane up in Idaho. You Needle drop minus four and then one hit wonder from Abby Travis. We're, we're not playing Sumo Princess stuff here, people. This is Abby Travis stuff that she'd done in the years before. So where Correct. did you, where did you, uh, you explain some of the process with uh, Gene? Some was you brought in tunes, some was... Uh, improvising, I guess, like Miles on the Corner kind of thing where you glued it, uh, sections together after the yeah. fact. Yeah. And then maybe even added stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And some of the stuff was also written with the first drummer too, improv wise too. So um, it depends on what era of Sumo Princess. Although you know it's not been around that long, but yeah. So it's it's I I, I really it's really liberating to me to write that way um, because I come up with different stuff. You know, if you listen to my my Abby Travis stuff, there's certain motifs. Like there's a lot of six four. There's a lot of the same kind of piano things. And it's nice to just write over. It's kind of like if someone sends you a track and you write the melody and the lyrics over the track, you come up with totally different didn't, stuff. Didn't, than didn't, you, uh, didn't Paul do one of yours? Paul Rossler? Yeah. I think he might be on some of the first record, but I yeah. actually think Finelli played a lot on that. I, Paul was a, played in my band for a while, though. Well, for sure. no, what about producers? He wasn't doing that yet? Uh, no, I've worked with Paul as a producer, just as a bass player for other people. Okay, okay. Although I guess t- technically Gaza was producing, You're but talking Paul about was like a, one doing a robot kitty, kitten, kitten robot, kitten robot is that the name? The, the studio they got down. It's uh Josie. Yeah, it's Cotton. nice. Josie Cotton's pet. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool. It's a cool. For, spot. First it was in Boo, and then yeah. they moved it downtown. Yeah, yeah. And Paul, because I don't know. uh some of it kind of reminded me of Paul, but also the the whole idea of cabaret kind of music, a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I think for me, that whole cabaret thing is really super filtered through like David Bowie and Queen. Sure, you know, sure, that, sure, sure. Yeah, more more England than Germany. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Although what, I mean, I like. What was the movie? Uh, Liza Minnelli, uh, Joel Grey. It was cabaret. Yeah, it was called cabaret. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. We're not talking so much. That that's a scary movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh man! Uh, but no, this the, the whole idea. Uh, I mean, uh, 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 let's talk about imagery, like uh, 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 the Blue Angel, uh, Marlena Dietrich. Uh, yeah. This whole kind of thing with the the dark nightclub and the piano and the the, the ch- chatneuse, right? A French word for singer. Chanteuse. Chanteuse. That's it. Yeah, chatneuse. <laughs> <laughs> William Chatneuse. <laughs> yeah i mean i think for sure i was very influenced by that stuff for a time and i love marlena dietrich and um you know i i i went through a period where i was really into that kind of glamour like you know studio system it's kind of star aesthetic and now that i'm older it's like fuck it i can't even not older less younger less younger yeah so but but it was fun for a while what, what about uh you know, Carla Bozlich always remind me a little bit of that thing too. What remember? What were those two ladies? Uh, Dresden Dolls. Oh well, one of them was a guy, but yeah, they. Oh, that's they right. Worked in, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then one, one was Amanda Palmer, or, right? Yeah, Amanda Palmer, and yeah. then the the other the guy. I forgot the name of the guy, but he had that Sorry, kind of almost like <laughs> silent film star makeup thing right, going on. Right. And I'm, my my, I do have to say that my first record came out before the. I know, those. I know, I know. I, I remember, I remember because uh, Abby, when that happened, I thought these people must have been listening to you, and and, and a little and a little bit of Carla for some reason. I know Geraldine Fibbers had kind of a country thing, but she always reminded me of part of that angle too. So, you but guys I also should... think I think that like maybe just Carla and the Dresden Dolls and myself, and also there's a gal up in San Francisco named Jill. Uh, Stooja, fuck me, Jill. Oh my God, she's gonna kill me. I really like her too, Jill Scott. No, anyways, Jill. Jill Scott. Um, 
Jill Scott Heron. I think, you know, like probably there was just some sort of like, you know, Kurt Vile virtual thing on the, you know, cultural vibrations that, you know, different people picked up on it about the same time or something. Yeah, but there was an earlier one, which always tripped me out as a boy. Doors doing, Yeah. Yeah. And I never understood about that, but yeah, there's something... Okay, I want to play that tune we were talking before that. <laughs> Lightning Square.
show last music for this edition Lightning Square and Abby Travis and then Julie Slick this is a bass player friend of Petra Hayden's uh, uh, I think from Pe- Philadelphia Pennsylvania and a tune called Go she can fucking play I, I think she's been playing with Todd Rundgren's Utopia cool which Petra's uh, I would figure you'd be one of these gigs too because Petra's sister Rachel you know is a bass 
And she did yeah. some Utopia. And, uh, yeah, this, and who's the other lady I know that does a side mouse for, I think she's with Pink now. Gardner? Uh, Eva Gardner. Eva Gardner. Right. Yeah, yeah you guys great. are, t- you lady bass players are tearing it up. <laughs> Even though you. it goes back to uh, Carol Kay, huh? Yeah, Although, well, I, she was the she was the original, that's for sure. You know what, though? She didn't really do gigs so much, right? More like jazz gigs after the sessions. But uh, you guys actually get on the stage and tour with people and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that whole kind of thing went away. But it was huge, I know, in the 60s and 70s. Then we had a uh, trope. <laughs> Croatian here, not so good. Trobakova Kushna Pesci with Gadi Svetla. What's amazing, this shit was in the early 80s, and it sounds, you know, like the Minutemen. You know, we just didn't know what was going on over there, you know. Uh, pretty incredible. Groove Crater Method after that, Black Satin. And then finally, Mr. Here Right Now. And I guess that's a great title for a toilet paper song. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean by toilet paper song? Well, you said you got the fucking announcement or notification. Oh, but that's my husband. He's not Mr. Here right now. He's my husband. No, but (laughs) like somebody asking for toilet paper, that sounds like Mr. Here right now. (laughs) You know, remember that was that TV show called Branded? Maybe you're too young. No. Anyway, it's yeah, about some guy who's been wronged and he's in the Old West and shit. But the theme song was branded, you know. What do you do when you're branded? And a, well, anyway, there was a take on it in school. It was stranded, trapped on the toilet bowl. What do you do when you're stranded? You ain't got a roll. <laughs> well, prove you're a man. You can wipe it with your hand. You know, stranded. Yeah. <laughs> it's the wonders of being young. What, what, what's your next plan? I'm going on the road. I leave tomorrow, and I uh, we've got a couple weeks worth of shows opening up for the Meat Puppets on the East Coast, which I'm very excited about. And the record um, from which you played a lot of music, When an Electric Storm, comes out on Wednesday, and you can get it at ruinvibes.com in limited edition colored vinyl, as well as at like iTunes and uh, Bandcamp and all that stuff. And um, then we have a big record release party in Los Angeles on May 26th at the Bootleg Theater with Poppy Jean Crawford, who is actually, remember Perry Farrell's girlfriend, Casey, back in the day? That's her daughter. Wow. Which I didn't even know. So that's like people's kids are now, you know, the same thing with Elmo. Yeah. I think Flea's daughter plays drums or bass or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Are, I mean, it makes sense. We're old enough to have grandkids, practically. Fucking so. Don Bowles is a great grandfather. <laughs> the, the horror, the horror, <laughs> the horror. <laughs> yeah, they didn't know how to end that movie. So Marlon, hey, give me that bowl of water. He fucking saves the movie by basically quoting what's in the, the Joseph Conrad story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so he didn't like to memorize lines. I guess. Uh, where can people find you on the internet, Ab? Um, they can find Sumo Princess on Facebook as Sumo Princess, uh, on Instagram as Sumo underscore Princess underscore Band. I'm on Twitter just as Abby Travis in in parentheses Sumo Princess, and then there's also Abby Travis, and there's no E; it's just A B B Y T R A V I S. I have Instagram and Facebook, and what about we also we also you, have a YouTube channel yeah, too because we're watching this video. Ab. Do you have your what? own website? Yeah, that's true. 
We have sumoprincessband.com. That, that to me is very important because all these yeah. other things, it's fine to put your flyers up on their telephone poles, but you should have your own fanzine with no middle person, no filter. So I'm Good so point. glad you got your own. So it's Abby Travis. No, it's sumoprincessband.com. Yeah, and there's also abbytravis.com and soundsoffwithabbytravis.com, which is my podcast, which we can talk about another time. Yeah, I hate that word. Well, okay. I got an MP3 file. I hate the word ointment. MP3 file that can be played on many different devices. That's what I call it. Fair enough. I don't even think that company makes that machine anymore. So why be a shill for it? It's been a huge honor to have me on, have me, have me talk to you on my show. Really. And Mike, thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. All the time, all the music, and we can finally get to talk about it and show people your uh, musical journey. Good luck to you with the meat puppets on this tour. Keep the keel in the water. I know you'll play your brains out. Tell Gene hi for me, okay? We'll do. Thank you so much, Mike. Okay. People, it's been... <laughs> May 6, 2019, Dishawatha Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>